0: Welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And it's still either the end of the year or beginning of the new one, depending on how things go. Which means it's time for John Wilson and I to once again talk about what happened in the MCU for the past year. Which obviously means it's a real John Wilson here, not an imaginary one in my head that I talk to sometimes. Hello, real John Wilson. How are you?
1: You say that I'm real. But I don't know if I can believe that.
0: The important thing is, I hear you. And I, as long as I hear you when I'm editing, I am 80% sure you're real.
1: <laughs> if the microphone hears you, that's the important thing.
0: <laughs> or at least as I think the microphone hears you. That's the
1: only the ed- thing. Only the listeners know for sure.
0: <laughs> and they ain't talking.
1: But no, it's, they- yeah, it's good to be back. Um, MCU has been cooking along. It's honestly, though, it's a weird time for Marvel movies right now. Marvel productions in general. Um Not to put a damper on things right here at the start, but do you feel like we have lost some momentum?
0: Yes and no. We lo- definitely lost some momentum because, well, here's the thing. They had a plan of what they were building towards. They got to it. You can't really have the momentum to that big thing once the big thing's over. You know, it's like it's kind of like if you're really excited about a certain holiday, whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever. Once that day comes, the day after, it's kind of like a bit of a letdown because, well, it's over.
1: I'll it agree with that. But then it's been some time. Because <laughs> if you think about... I mean I like to put things over you know one layer over the other time wise Iron Man 2008 Avengers 2012 so that was 4 years of building to a hurrah so Scarlet Witch and Vision was a uh um was it, it wasn't Scarlet Vision was it what was it called WandaVision WandaVision one division 2020 four years later 2024 i don't feel like we are heading for a big climax in 24 like i felt we were heading in 11 going into 12
0: now that is true i will not debate that uh to me the way it feels like this kind of feels like the difference of the and not exactly i know it's not a one for one thing but this is kind of like silver age bronze age Silver Age Marvel, you know, we had so, you had so many new things popping up, you know, every couple of months, every couple of years, it was a new book or a new character or a new thing, you know, Spider, you know, FF, Avengers, Spider-Man, Captain America, Avengers, you know, pop, you know, boom, 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 you know, and especially since they only had so many books they could do, you know, a lot, you know, several, you know, they always, they did a lot of stuff back then. And you know this better than me since you read all those. <laughs> but it seemed like they did a lot of stuff to make this feel, you know, have, cross-pollinate things. hmm Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that, you know, a lot of connectivity. And then once you get into the Bronze Age and the part of where Marvel then no longer was restricted in the titles they could produce, number of titles they could produce, and it explodes, and you don't get that feeling as much anymore.
1: You really don't. There's a, there's a very different approach to storytelling that shifts – about 1968 is when that shift starts to happen and how the stories are told and the tight continuity of the uh, Marvel Universe that had existed through the 60s really started to evaporate starting in and 1968 you, yeah. going into
0: the 70s. And you get a lot. But also they do a lot more experimental stuff and a lot of different things. And some stuff works. Some stuff don't, doesn't. And when I say works, it doesn't mean it was bad. It just means it didn't sell. I mean, they have the horror boom. And then bust as well. But some of the books did work. You know, were selling. So they, you know, Werewolf by Night and Ghost Rider and Tomb of Dracula kept chugging on, while Living Mummy and Scarecrow and you know, the Golem didn't. Um, you also had that boost, a brief boost of like five months where you had all those books that were featuring and you know, not just as characters but also creators women working in the books you know the cat and night nurse and uh shauna the she-devil right and it kind of it kind of feels like that to me like okay now we did that one thing and now we're done with that and now they're kind of like let's see everything else we can do right so it's the bronze age but the bronze age also had some awesome stuff you know a lot of times it wasn't the big crossover you know things of like everyone together was kind of like this weird little thing here and this, you know, Captain Marvel over here doing this Thanos story and, you know.
1: And like I said, not to put a damper on anything because the things we're going to talk about are things that I, for the most part, really, really enjoyed. Um, it's just, I, I I don't know. I just feel like whenever there's a new project coming out, I don't feel the energy that I want to feel. And and so, yeah, try to put that into words. But um, let's go ahead and, and see I, what we have done.
0: T- no, I definitely feel that a bit too. But for the most part, I'm still mostly enjoying or at least looking forward to things so maybe not i will agree not as much as before but i'm not complaining you know i you know be fair maybe it's perspective you know for and I'm, I'm saying you would do this too you know as opposed to some people i'm saying really complaining i grew up when like if you were lucky you had some kind of c-grade movie that kind of seemed like it was based on the comic stuff like, you know, if we squinted, we could see that the Masters of the Universe movie from 87 was kind of a version of the new gods. You know, Skeletor was Side. He-Man was Orion. If you really, really, really squinted, Gwildor was meant was uh, Metron.
1: Mm. I remember we didn't have to lock our doors. Those days yeah. will come back, though. They, You'll see. You'll see. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, you know, I'm also happy with the fact that I have enough stuff that I can go, I want to watch this. I don't want to watch this.
1: So what do we got on the
0: docket tonight? So today we are, well, first of all, we're jumping back a bit because we accidentally skipped the movie. So we are oh, no. starting off. I know, bad. We are starting off with 2022's uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And then going back into 23 for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and the Secret Invasion TV show. Mm-hmm. First off. Wakanda forever! Wakanda forever! 2022 is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, starring what we got: Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Gurria and Winston Duke. And I'm probably gonna go back later on and listen to how these voices names are pronounced, and if I have to, I'll re re record over.
1: (laughs) Sounds good. Um, So yeah, this was a this was an interesting movie to anticipate. Because, of course, with the amazing phenomenon that was the original Black Panther film and the cultural milestone that it touched, the sequel was immediately eagerly sought after. And yet, very early on in its development, we lost Chadwick Boseman. And so what you're going to do for the next Black Panther film. And I think we talked about this back whenever we talked about Black Panther, because I think he was already gone by that point. I'm sure that behind closed doors at Marvel, there were lots of conversations about whether to recast or continue without or whatever. And for whatever reason, they chose to let T'Challa die in the universe, not just Chadwick Boseman in real life. I personally disagree with that decision, but there's not necessarily a wrong one. Um, So here we are, we're going forward the Marvel Cinematic Universe has lost the character and his family has lost him. And they allow that emotion to breathe in the beginning of this movie. The loss of T'Challa is very present. His absence is very present in the beginning of this film. And I, I think, think that was important. the whole movie. Yeah, I just it was like underlying throughout the whole film is definitely a huge part of Shorty's character arc and everything. But like the scenes were a hundred percent dedicated to just letting that space mm, yes. exist at the beginning. No,
0: sure. And yeah. And I think that was necessary actually, because I mean, people, we, people, for the most part, people loved him. Mm -hmm. As the Black Panther. I mean, he was great. I mean, I was kind of viewing it originally as like, okay, if we're losing, because at the time we didn't know who was leaving yet. But, you know, we were kind of assuming, at least I was kind of assuming, that uh, we were losing, you know, character-wise Cap, you know, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. So I'm like, well, those are the big three. And I was kind of viewing like, well, maybe it's the new big three will be Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel. Which would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, but now we all of a sudden lost one of them before they even had a chance to really become one of the big three.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was like, and if you're looking, you are know, enjoying this, you kind of were mourning, you know, all morning a bit, too. So it kind of like worked for, I think, in that regard as well. Gave everyone a chance. Right.
1: And to have that space exist for the characters, it just it gave dimension and depth and everything to the loss of the actor in ways that are both real and also metatextual. You know, it, it's it's just an... I don't want to say cool because, you know, somebody died, but as a storytelling development, it is a pretty well-played, I guess is a good a good way of saying, uh, meta-text and letting the yeah. text and reality interact with each other in ways that just don't generally happen in fiction. Um, we had... COVID happened during the production of this film and with a lot of the talk about what was happening on set, I honestly wasn't sure if this film was even going to get finished because evidently, and I'm not sure if this is only rumor, if this is confirmed, but evidently uh, Letitia Wright was anti-mask and was not conforming to uh, COVID protocols on set and they couldn't continue.
0: That I can't confirm either. I don't know. Um, I don't remember seeing that. But the film took
1: a lot longer to make than it should have done because COVID was in the way and possibly more ways than one.
0: Yeah, possibly. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I look at some stuff, but like I don't really pay. I'm not a person who pays that 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 much attention to all of the details of the production of the movies. It's like I'm like, oh good, they're filming. Oh good, they're saying it should be done around this time. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you know I kind of go la di da di da. Well, when it comes to the so- when it comes to how the sauce is made, how the sausage is made, I'm more interested in how the comics are made than the movies. Right. I have do have interest in how movies are made, but.
1: But we got through all that, and time passed, the movie came out, and um, it was it was a pretty big deal because, um, I mean, I feel like it was the largest Marvel movie to come out in a while. I forget what immediately preceded it. Was it The Eternals? Uh,
0: possibly.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of a lackluster performance in the um in the critics and in the uh um box office so to have Wakanda forever come in it felt like a win for the mcu in a big way uh and namor was there what were your thoughts on namor mixed hmm
0: I, I liked him as namor i liked him i have no you know I, he was good i Here's the thing. I have didn't have an issue with the ethnicity of the actor playing him. I did have an issue with them including the Meyer, some of the Myron stuff in there. I just felt like, to me at least, I always liked the Atlantis of the Namor Aquaman stuff. You know, the ancient mm-hmm. Atlantis. Is this civilization that had been around since before everybody. Pretty much. And it kind of felt like they really just did not want to do that at all. Cause they didn't. And it almost felt like they were oh, it almost felt like they were doing the thing where like you really could just change his name a little bit and it didn't have to ha- have it be not, you know, it could have been another company and not Namor. Mm-hmm. You know, the actor I thought was pretty cool. Like he would have been great, you know, great as Namor, but like I don't s- see why they couldn't have merged them a bit more the Atlanta stuff and the Mayan culture stuff together. You know, to me, you know, still have his mother come from the Mayan culture and to have that be part of him. But, you know, maybe switch up the Namor story instead of Fen being the, you know, Al- you know, like in the comics where Fen is the Atlantean princess and, you know, Leonard McKenzie was the American, uh, American surface father. Have it be an Atlantean father and, you know, the Mayan mother who's Fen. Right. And you could still have that. You could still have both. You know i didn't see why they can have both but it almost felt like they really you know they leaned in so far the other way they completely ignored and so atlantis wasn't this you know ancient big thing and the funny thing was it was also weird i kept finding it weird that like you have these you know, like the american government the wakanda government are learning about these undersea people like there's undersea people who live on the planet and like are attacking it's like and not once in the movie, they wouldn't even mention Atlantis. It was like, what, like Atlanteans? Like Atlantis? Like, what do you mean, undersea people?
1: Oh, like, 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 uh, as if Atlantis were a story told by like regular people.
0: It's like yeah. Atlantis doesn't even exist over there.
1: Right, as it's a like, concept.
0: Really? It's like, you don't even, it's like, it, it just, like I said, I mean, granted, I know a movie and I understand, like, a lot of times you should, you know, for, you know when you're looking at some entertainment you should really should best way is to probably judge it based on what it is and not just what you want it to be. but I mean when it when it is an adaption you there is a question of like well how well are they doing the adaption it's not it doesn't always have to be slavishly following but the question is like well how well are they doing the adaption what you know what changes were good what changes were not good or at least in your opinion you know I mean just because they don't follow it doesn't mean they, they can't be good. I really enjoyed
1: those born movies
0: but I've read the books. They ain't following so, that at all.
1: So I also had some somewhat Hopefully, mixed Peter. reactions, although for somewhat different reasons. Okay. Um, there okay. were... There was the thing about the lack of Atlantis, and I wondered if they were trying to intentionally avoid the Aquaman comparisons, because, I mean, regardless of how many differences you can draw between Namor and Aquaman... To the lay person, those characters on paper are the same person.
0: And you know what? I completely did forget about that. So that's entirely possible that that was why they did that.
1: Right. So coming up with another explanation for the character, I can see why they would want to do it. But you get to this situation where, unlike pretty much everyone else that they've done on screen if I go to get comics about this character, I am not going to be reading anything at all. Like what was on screen and pretty much everyone they do has had a passing or almost hundred percent recognition factor with their comics counterparts.
0: Yeah. I think the further, the ones that are furthest off would be Peggy Carter. Cause she was not as big in the comics, at least before the movies as she was in the movies. And, uh, Hawkeye, just because so much of Hawkeye, especially once you got to the second Avengers movie, was about him and like his family. And right. But well, I feel Hawkeye like Hawkeye's one of
1: those so, such undeveloped characters that like he got more in the movies than he ever got in the comics as a as a person besides his bow and arrow, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and just to clarify for anyone who's not familiar with possibly my own perspectives, when I say that Namor is not resembling his comics counterpart, I am zero percent talking about his skin color or ethnicity that's fine bring on a hispanic actor make the man brown give him a more interesting costume yeah, i'm yeah. talking about the concepts surrounding the character the kinds of stories that are told about the character the things that namor has done as a person in the mcu over the oh, in, in the marvel comics universe over the decades versus what we got on on screen oh, Those yeah, yeah, the air gets
0: down. Are, say what i'm sorry i interrupted i apologize
1: I was gonna say that those things are very different.
0: Yeah, I mean he had the arrogance, I mean the air, I mean, character wise, I mean like the way Namor behaved was great because I mean like he had that yes. arrogance down. He Namor was a dick.
1: He <laughs> played Namor. It's just it wasn't at all a Namor story. <laughs> yeah. It just
0: didn't feel as much like Namor. Mm-hmm. It felt like Namor, but like Namor was like, We're gonna start everything all over brand new and you know get rid of everything. And it's like, oh, I like a lot of those things.
1: Yeah. So you know, you, you, it, it's one of those things where they're kind of stuck with the with the um, character confusion factor with the with the different Atlantean characters, uh, and there may not be that good a solution to that problem. I yeah. don't mind at all the solution they came up with. It's just that there are, admittedly, problems that result from it.
0: It's kind of like DC's issue when they when they started doing their movies after Marvel had already started. And it's like, well, no matter what, if you're doing the same thing Marvel does, you're going to be compared. you know, doesn't matter. You know, I'm not talking about opinions, how they did it. I'm just saying in general, if they're going to do like Marvel did, where like, okay, we're going to give Superman a few movies and Batman a few movies, Aquaman a few, and eventually they'll meet up as Justice League. Well, you're just copying Marvel. And if we just go right into Justice League, everyone's going to say, well, that's not how Marvel did it. Right. Because they did that first, you know, that came out first. So therefore that's what everyone's going to compare it to.
1: It's like the opposite of having your cake and eating it too. There you cannot have your cake nor eat it. You're in a catch twenty two situation. There's no way to to win. Yeah. So you just have to choose something and try to put your best efforts into that something. Yeah. For better and, or for worse.
0: Yeah. And I can understand. And actually I didn't think about that. So you're right. Uh, doesn't mean I still can't have my opinions of my feelings about it, but I can understand at least right. I can understand a bit more why. Potentially. I mean, this is our guess. So, you know, for all we know, we're completely wrong.
1: Right. Yeah, I said we we were not behind those closed doors the conversations happened I'm sure but we don't know what what they were.
0: We can only speculate. But otherwise hey, I enjoyed the movie? You know, it was fun. Some cool fight scenes. I mean,
1: the action scenes were pretty awesome. Did you think it was odd to give T'Challa a kid at the end?
0: Mm, no. No, cuz it leaves it leaves them something now where if they cuz if the movie's last long enough in any way, shape, or form, they can now have a, another T'Challa, Black Panther, without having to retroactively explain. And it's not I we have like we feel like after about having kid.
1: this and then also having Thor get a kid, it's like there was a, almost a trend starting that does not seem to have continued since. But at the time, it's like is it, is this going to be a thing, or all the Avengers having kids now?
0: Well, so does I remember Tony has one too. I'll yeah, three thousand. Yep. It's one of the things I do like about this because it's a different universe. It's not the comic universe. This is not the same. You know, they should be different. You know, and one of the differences because you have real people, they kind of have to make a decision. And it doesn't mean just because they made this one decision with, you know, with a Black Panther, mean, they'll do the same forever of when these actors leave, for whatever reason, do we continue and recast? Or do we do, which so far they're kind of doing with like, Yeah, eventually, you know, after 10, 15, 20 years, people will retire and die. And it's kind of like a it's kind of like having a way of at least for me, it's kind of like my way of having like real world Marvel Universe without actually having the Marvel Universe do real world.
1: Right, because, you know, it's 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 been said by many people before comic book storytelling, long form comic book storytelling always is stuck in the second act. And you can only ever give the illusion of change. You can't actually change things up that much. And sometimes they they do. It's not always the case.
0: But the problem is it's too easy because all you have to do is draw the guy back. Hey, look, mm -hmm. Iron Man's been dead. No, we killed Iron Man. No, look, I just drew him. He's alive again. How? I got my pencil out.
1: Done. And if you do any permanent changes, you know, quasi permanent intended to be permanent changes, you have to do them in such a way to preserve brand recognition. You know, and here we have a universe that is dependent upon uh, the life availability and payability of your actors.
0: Yeah, and it also, and I think, the, yeah.
1: Sorry, go on. If any of those things get in the way, then you have to change your story.
0: Yeah, because I mean, the brand recognition a lot of times is who's is playing them. The brand recognition of Iron Man right now is
1: Robert Downey Jr. Denny. Exactly.
0: So when Robert Downey Jr. is no longer doing it, you could still have that recognition and have, you know, merchandise of him on it. You just, you know, don't have him in there anymore. Right. But, yeah, that's their brand recognition, not the drawn character.
1: So I'm also really curious what kind of storytelling we're going to have 15 years from now, assuming that all of this is still even going. Because, like I said, I, I, I'm not sure that we have the momentum we used to have, and I don't know. If that's a misperception on my part, or if there's actually, you know, some, some loss going on in the moving forward energies, I just don't know, but I mean,
0: it's there, been it, almost it 15, been, almost 15 years.
1: It's been 15 years since we started. What's going to be happening in another 15?
0: Well, oh, we'll see. I mean, to be fair, it's kind of like the comics comp industry since 1970s, where people were saying, Oh, it's going to be dead in five two years. Don't worry about it. were people mm-hmm. saying that like before, by the time Avengers even came out off. Oh, this is going to be dead in a few years.
1: Yeah. So, we will see. Exactly. Do you like the Transformers? <laughs> yes. Do you like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Cowabunga! Do you like IDW comics and comic book podcasts? <laughs> then come check out Ninjas and Bots. Each week, we look at an issue of Transformers.
0: Or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from their IDW Comics incarnation. We drop episodes every Saturday morning.
1: Just like the cartoons we loved as a kid. The show can be found on your favorite podcatcher and at johnreadscomics.com. See you then.
0: All right, so let's move on to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania.
1: Okay, so... I before I saw this film, I was flooded online with a bunch of negative reactions. Yeah. And so I didn't really know what to expect going in. But you go in and you basically get a CGI live action blended story that feels a lot like I don't know. If micronauts were made into a movie or some other quirky eighties Marvel comic, sci fi comic, were well, made so into a you're movie. In the
0: microverse. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it just ends up being light and fun. And I liked it. I didn't love it. There it's it's got some problems, but it was fun. And that's that's what I wanted to have happen and it did.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of along with you on this one. I enjoyed it. I had fun. Is it my favorite movie? No, but it, it, go, and this is, I think, one of the movies that made me think about my theory before when I said about the Bronze Age. This really felt like some kind of random 1970s Ant-Man comic. Like, mm-hmm. it's Ant-Man. And, okay, we first we, we're going to try this, and then we're going to try sticking him in real, regular clothes and just doing regular stuff. And uh, now we're going to have him in the microverse with a, with a uh, revolution. Sure, why not? And it's Kang too, right? You know, it It felt very much like a seven, like a seventies, you know, idea. Like this is a nineteen seventies Ant Man comic that you know, just one
1: we never caught. Yeah, this was the last Kang production, wasn't it?
0: Not counting Loki.
1: But yeah, okay. I haven't seen Loki season two as we're recording this. We're gonna do that in a few weeks, um, so yes. I'm not sure if the same actor is in Loki because that actor has been blacklisted. Hmm. Well, so I, I won't say anything yet. Spoilers. Okay, um, some quibbles with this. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Had a blast. Lots of CGI. Lots of sci-fi action. A little light on character depth. Mostly plot-driven. But you know, it was fun. I think most I of the had character was look...
0: given to Cassie
1: and Janet. Actually, Cassie and, and Janet. Yes, they were the they were the heart of this of this story. I had been looking forward to Cassie Lang as Stature. And to get Cassie Lang as Sting was a little bit of a disappointment on my end.
0: <laughs> Wasn't it Stinger?
1: Yeah, Stinger, sorry.
0: Which is actually the name she had in the uh, Spider-Girl series, in the MC2 line.
1: Was it really? Yep. Was that in Next or was that in Spider-Girl? Well, all of them. Okay.
0: Spider-Girl is just, just the one book that actually lasted. So that's the one I think of first. Right. But yeah, A-Next, J-2, and Stinger, and Wild Thing. Sorry, I yeah, feel like she was Spider-Girl. an
1: A-Next character, yeah. No, I she forgot was on the that she was even in that. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember her from, you know, a little bit later, her developments as, as as stature and really enjoying her in, like, Young Avengers and such. So it was just, they went a different direction with the character. It was fine. Shrinking is a lot easier to do than massive growing for storytelling purposes because you can have a little thing flipping around and doing cool stuff. If you have somebody grow to gigantic proportions, they take up a lot of room on the on the on this on the stage and
0: yeah. And, and I think and that's the, probably why they went with the name change, even though yes, the stature name is more recognizable for her. Yeah, because the Young my Avengers other, book was more successful.
1: My other larger complaint. Is that Hope Van Dyne, the Wasp of the MCU, is a backseater in this movie. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, and the Wasp is the least important character in this film. Um, of the headliners. Well, here's the, I mean,
0: and I'm not going to debate you on that because you are correct. I will, however, throw out this perspective. Which Wasp? Because there's two Ant-Mans and there's two Wasps in here.
1: Agreed, but the fact that Janet Van Dyne was the wasp is not really that much of a player in the film. Janet Van Dyne having spent however many years in the microverse is what mattered to the movie. So
0: now, I but and you're true, and I will bit right here, I'm a little bit biased. A I Janet's one of my favorite characters. I love Janet a lot. So you know, I prefer her over Hope. I mm-hmm. like Michelle Pfeiffer more than Evangeline Lily as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, like I, I'm going to admit my bias right here. You are say, Everything you were saying is 100% correct.
1: But it didn't bother you. <laughs>
0: no, because I'm like, so the character I like better and the actress I like better is getting more story time than the one I don't like as much. All right, that's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's fair. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever.
0: But I'm also going to admit the bias. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, you are right. She is the one that got the most... The least amount, I was going to say the most uh, shifted, but yeah, the least amount out of the four, let's say the four, you know, the four, you know, four uh, titles, characters, you know, the two MN, mm-hmm. the two Wasps, she is the one that is, got the least, and potentially she is the one that would have the most chance of being out there more, because how we don't know how much we'll get of Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer, as opposed to Paul Rodden and Vangeline Lily, we potentially would have more things with them because they are the new the current stars and also just age wise you know it's it's not you know not going to be as you know as years go on it's so it's going to be a lot harder for Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer to do these things. Right. I mean except for you know granted they're getting older too of course but they're still at least 30 years younger except for Paul Rudd who I think never looks different so for all we know he's 500 years old.
1: <laughs> we have Bill Murray in this film playing right. a character who is a complete one-off nobody in the comics, but, you know, whatever. I came out of the things that I heard him say about this film thinking that he did not have a good time filming this. I don't know. Bill Murray's always a delight to watch on set, but I kind of feel like he just came and did his thing and took his paycheck and went home. I was like, oh, that is now something I have done. What did you think about Modok? Uh, Modok was always going to be difficult.
0: I mean, it's a giant head with tiny arms and legs. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, it's gonna be goofy. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I do ignore some of the comments about people saying hey, it's look too goofy. Like he's gonna look goofy. It's Modok. It's a giant head with little arms. Right. He's going to look goofy. You know what? The one thing I did enjoy about this movie a lot was the fact that they just kind of, when they said, okay, we're going to the quantum realm, and, like, they just went all out with craziness. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, go out with a MODOK. Why not? Doesn't mean we can't have more.
1: Well, they, um...
0: One thing, since Kang made him, that means potentially it's something Kang may have done before. So we could get get someone else as a MODOK, so you might get a more aim-centric modok for all we know at some point
1: it's just funny because in modok's early stories he is this really dangerous high level power that looks ridiculous but is super sinister and deadly and no one can control it especially aim who made it they like they lose control and they're unhappy about it but over the decades since modok has become a bit of a joke probably because of his design. Yeah. You had the MODOK animated series, and you had... Um, that was fun. MODOK in the superhero Super Squad show, which is also a bit of a send-up and farce of the Marvel Universe anyway, but he especially was a complete joke. The idea to present MODOK as a you know source of humor didn't bother me, but it was right around that time that I was reading those Captain Americas and stuff that had... or. I don't, Maybe it was a catch. other of the book that had the early Modoc stories. And it's just such a different tone that it just, I don't know. My brain had a hard problem <laughs> lining it all up together.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, it is different than the other one. I don't have as big a connection to Modok. Mm-hmm. So, and I did, I did think at least considering the fact that this movie was a, was a departure from the other two movies. It wasn't a heist movie. So much. I mean, some up and not as much. And it did get, you know, they did not have like a lot of the supporting cast, supporting cast I had before. You know, I mean, the the Ant-Man movies were a bit more low key than the other ones. So this one was definitely different. So the fact, so at least, you know, so I was like, oh, they brought back the stuff from the first movie. They're trying to at least do something to connect it with the rest of the Ant-Man series besides the, you know, besides the Ant-Man characters. Kind of gave an ending to that character. It was fine. It didn't bother me. It didn't enthrall me. So it's kind of like, okay, it it is, you know, it just was.
1: What were the developments with Kang in this film? Um, Do you remember?
0: Well, I mean, we found, uh,
1: what do you mean? He was trapped in the quantum realm.
0: Yes, this version of Kang, at least. Right. Yeah, he, he was trapped there with Janet. That's how they met. And she basically helped him get started of what he eventually became his empire in the microverse.
1: But he wanted it out.
0: Yes, he wanted out to get to the LR because he was stuck there. So he didn't want to be ruling just the quantum realm. He wanted to rule all of it.
1: Right. So because if you're in the quantum realm, you're basically ruling a few atoms. Exactly. Because of the, the the concept of the quantum realm doesn't really really make any sense in actual physics, but you know whatever. Yeah. Um. But. Why have a tiny, tiny, tiny microcosm within reality when you can have actual reality? Exactly.
0: So yeah, so that was it. And for all we and for all we know, of course, that's not even wasn't even supposed to be the actual Kang.
1: I because, mean, it felt like the actual Kang at the time. Yeah, but I'm assuming that Loki has done things to 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 throw a question mark well, on that.
0: Well, I'm just going by the fact that the at the fi- the, the, the end credit scene where we get the Council of Cross Time Kangs.
1: Yeah, but don't you feel like every time Kang is in a story it's it's we're meant to believe that it is Kang Alpha if you will. Like both in the comics and in the um in the films, if you see Kang as Kang in a story, unless some later story retcons, I feel like we're meant to believe that is the primary Kang.
0: Well, that's you know? the thing. It's always the pro- it's like Doom and Doombots it's always doom until, it, until you found out it wasn't doom. Right. And so that was kind of like where I go with Kang. So that's why I'm wondering like, well, it's Kang until we find out it wasn't Kang. Mm-hmm. Or since it's a, since they showed that council, there's, I mean, and they did show, and it was very much, that was very much from that Avengers panel panel, which shows like that cat what had the council of crossing Kangs like somewhere around to two sixties or two seventies of issues where it was almost exactly the same and you see all these different versions of Kang and all these alien things. But that also means there's like probably 20 that look just like the one we had and would behave just like him.
1: Scott Lang came.
0: We does not mean we couldn't have him, you know, exactly there again, just going, Oh, that wasn't me.
1: Scott Lang came out of it. And I have this quote here in front of me. He says, we did beat him. Right. I mean, yeah, that's what happened. he, He was getting out and he didn't get out, I think, but he also said something bad was coming and that everyone would die if he didn't get out. Wait, so did I just kill everyone? Is everyone going to die because of me? Oh my God. Oh my. What did I do? But then he goes on with his you know job at the donut shop or whatever it is. He ridiculous thing he's doing these days. So he brushes it off. But like you're left with a sort of like, huh, kind of moment at the end of the film.
0: Yeah, it was a little. And the ending was that that ending partly was a little like, uh, you know, it would have been nice if they had done a little more with that. Maybe that would have helped a bit. I don't know. Maybe not with what you were feeling about progression. If like, let's say we had, you know, what I mean like. If I mean, I granted time-wise, it doesn't work. But I mean, you had that end sequence at Shang Chi where you know they came to get him, and uh, I can't remember her name now. Aqua, I think her real name's Aquafina, the actress. Mm-hmm. Her character when they're at dinner, and then like if you have the thing with Scott, like let's say just show him calling somebody, like I, I'm, or even just saying, okay, I'm gonna have to talk to the widow. Uh, no, there is no widow. Never mind. You know, I'm gonna have to talk to. I'm gonna have to call Doctor Strange. You know, to kind of show some connection of uh, whatever's going on, you know, we're starting to get that.
1: Well, speaking, that of, speaking of Wong gathering people, while we're, you know, sort of wrapping one film and getting ready to talk about the third thing. Let's mention, you know, recall the fact that Wong is gathering heroes and the Contessa de Fontaine is gathering anti heroes. Yes, so that's right. That like, was
0: in um. Yeah, that she first showed up in Black Panther.
1: Right. Oh, and, and the Wakanda Forever one or the first Black Panther.
0: Uh, Wakanda Forever.
1: Whom did she gather at the end of Wakanda Forever? Or was she just? No, she was just in it.
0: So no, that wasn't her first uh, appearance. Yeah, she's um. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Martin Freeman's character, his ex-wife.
1: Right. That wasn't her first appearance though, because she shows up at the end of uh, Falcon Winter Soldier and drafts the fal and drafts um. US Agent. US Agent. Was that before this? Yeah. Okay. That was the second show that they did.
0: Because of doing this doing that out of order, it screwed me up with memory. Quick editor's note here, we forgot about Val's appearance in the Black Widow movie, which would have come in between the Falcon and Winter Soldier miniseries and Black Panther Wakanda Forever.
1: Right. So she's been gathering anti heroes, and that's building to the Thunderbolts film. Uh Because she's building the Thunderbolts. So I'm thinking that Wong's team is going to go up against the Thunderbolts in that film. We're going to have like massive team versus team. Which if marketed well and and done successfully, that could be a really massive score for Marvel.
0: Yeah, that could. Especially if because it could be like Civil War, except it's not just heroes versus heroes. It's heroes versus anti. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: So that could be interesting.
1: That kind of development is one of the things that I feel like helps build momentum. When you have a goal in sight and most of your projects point toward that goal. That was one of the things that the Marvel movies did in phase one and phase two. And uh, even more so in phase three was building towards the whole Infinity Stones thing. Um, Of course, phase one, it was the Avengers coming together. Phase two, you knew Thanos was in the background, and so you were hinting at it, but you hinted at it regularly. And phase three was actively building toward it. And those kinds of little developments in each and every movie, or almost every movie, helped add that feeling of, we are going somewhere. And so that's the kind of thing that I feel like is lacking right now. I feel like, although some projects have used Kang, like this one, I haven't felt like Kang is a present thing. And some films have used the collection of heroes with Wong and the Contessa, but not very many. So I don't feel like it's really that present of a thing. So that's just kind of what I'm talking about with ways that they have not really been giving the same feelings of momentum that I feel like we had in previous stages, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that and yeah, that's not and those are things also that they could have added in, especially with those post credit sequences in the way if they do planning where they even if movies came up before they still could have. I mean, they could have had when Wong picked up Shang-Chi, they could have said something about not just what his thing was, but like Ant-Man has Ant-Man is something that actually might be connected. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it out there. Maybe like maybe that's the bad thing that Kang's talking about, let's say. And that's all you need. And then when the Ant Man thing hap- movie happens, you see that if they had something about him, I should call somebody. I should call Doctor Strange. And they're like, Oh, there's the thing. Because after all, those some of those post credit sequences, you don't know how far an event, how far after they take place. Right. You know, so that post credit sequence of Shang Chi could have taken place a year later. Right. But anyway, so, we'll see.
1: Yeah, just different thoughts there.
0: No, of course, that's what we're here for. So let's get to our last one, which is a TV show. The Secret Invasion Show.
1: Doctor Fate. Doctor Midnight. Starman. Johnny Quick. Wildcat. Power Girl. The All-Star Squadron. The Firebrand. Amazing Man. Huntress. Cyclone. Sandman. Mister Terrific. Star Commander Girl. Steel. Power Seven Man. Soldiers of Liberty. Bell. Infinity Incorporated. Those are just some of the celebrated and beloved heroes associated with Earth 2 and the Justice Society of America. These daring mystery men and women banded together in 1940 to form the first super team in comics. They inspired a decades long legacy of heroes who would follow in their footsteps, and now they've inspired us to launch a new podcast. Justice Society Presents, a new anthology on the Fire & Water Podcast Network featuring a variety of themed shows with different hosts celebrating some of their favorite comics and characters associated with the Golden Age of Comics, Earth 2, the JSA, and beyond. Join the fight for justice and subscribe to Justice Society Presents on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. <sighs> so at the beginning of this, I said I for the most part enjoyed these shows. I didn't dislike Secret Invasion. But I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. Not anywhere close. Agreed. It was it was okay. It was okay. And it should have been phenomenal. Sam Jackson leading a Nick Fury series with scrolls taking the places in the world government, this should have been high stakes, high scale amazingness. And I just, I was engaged. Each episode was fine. But I don't know. It had a strong start, really strong start. But I just feel like I lost oomph as it went on.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some things I liked. I liked Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. I liked him.
1: He performed the yeah. He did that character very well. His relationship with his daughter was well portrayed. Seeing her in the MCU was really cool. Um, playing a very different character to the Khaleesi, but I don't know. And the relationship also. with Jack with Nick Fury's wife was I don't know I didn't like it and I think it's because every time they interacted I felt like there was either an undercurrent or an overcurrent of mistrust and I don't like those kinds of marriages Not not as the uh, like, you know, protagonist. This is the relationship we're trying to save kind of marriage, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I get that.
1: I don't know. It was weird.
0: Yeah, it it kind of just was. I mean, it was fine. I watched it all. I didn't hate it. But yeah, this it's not a show. I'm going to really be going back to rewatch.
1: And the idea that the scrolls were looking for a home world, I liked that. And here's another thing. Okay. (laughs) Somebody said this after I was done watching Secret Invasion or I was right toward the end of Secret Invasion and it really resonated. I'm trying to remember exactly the phrasing. Um, There seems to be a pattern with the antagonists in Marvel TV that... Their cause is reasonable. Their cause is just. They have a legitimate grievance. It's their methods that make them the enemy. But the storytelling doesn't do enough to validate their cause in spite of their methods. I can agree with you there. the fact that the scrolls needed a world, we played lip service to that, but nothing was done in the story to validate that concern. We were too busy stopping the bad ones to care about actually solving their actual problem. <laughs> yeah. And that was one of my problems with Falcon and Winter Soldier, too. Those quote unquote terrorists had legitimate problems. But because they were extreme violence, we had to stop them. And then U.S. agent went overboard, and we had to stop him too.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: but we never validated the reason that the antagonists were upset. And it was it was valid, but the storytelling didn't didn't go there. So that was another problem I had with this one.
0: Yeah, and also some things just seem to have happened, like killing off uh, uh, Maria Hill. I mean, I have no problem if they want to kill any of the characters, but it just... I really liked her. (laughs) Yeah, it just... Well, I did too, but it just felt like it went nowhere. Right. Like, she was just killed... It kind of felt like killed for the shock value as opposed to killed for a reason.
1: And it drove the emotion of, like, the second and maybe third episode, but it didn't drive the emotion of the story. No. Her death was not a major component of the story. And so it felt kind of cheap at the end of it all.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like if there was more to her death, like if they, whatever happened, they needed her. I don't know. Her body was there in that last episode in that chamber when they were trying to make, become super scrolls. Mm -hmm. If there was something about that, like that would have made it seem more and made it seem like there was more of a point to it. But She just kind of felt like she just died to die.
1: The Super scroll storytelling was also kind of odd in the way that it was written. We got on-screen descriptions of where their superpowers were coming from, but it's almost like the writers specifically didn't want to reference the continuity. Like, their powers are based on extremists from Iron Man 3 with some other stuff mixed in. We never talked about Extremis from Iron Man 3. It was just mentioned a couple times and shown on screen. If you didn't know what Extremis from Iron Man 3 was, where are you? I feel like they could have done some stuff to incorporate that bit of history and continuity into the storytelling. I don't know, flashback scenes or something.
0: Use the fact that Rhodey was a Skrull. And the fact that, let's say, somehow because of his connection with the government and Stark, Stark that he was able to get the Extremis for them.
1: Right. Like, or, use that. It, and or bring in Gwyneth Paltrow, and maybe, and maybe they wanted to but couldn't, but ideally, bring in Gwyneth Paltrow for an episode and talk about her connection to Extremis, you know? We never did find out what happened to her in Extremis after Iron Man 3.
0: Yeah. But yeah, this I mean, they could have used this as an a one way of like cl- cleaning up some little bits and pieces from different movies like, you know, the extremists and the other stuff like, oh, that's what happened to this thing afterwards. Rhodey stole it. Because of his position as both an Avenger and working for the government, you know, American government, he was able to he was heavily to access these things, you know, we just know they had them. That might have been a more interesting thing to put maybe and that would have given us some more. uh feeling towards the show Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and a reason why they had as opposed to just it almost seems like from what i remember like they got roadie and later on he got that position in the government and it's like oh this worked out well as opposed to you know we picked the right guy to impersonate (laughs) what if we impersonated hawkeye we would have been screwed as opposed to we picked this guy for a reason and that's why we have that's why that's why we've took him
1: I feel like they kind of squandered the whole secret invasion concept. Like you use that name, you use the name of a well-known story. The, the viewers are going in with you. You have played a certain amount of buy-in value with the viewers, you know, yeah. It, they did that with civil war mm-hmm. and they gave us a story that while it was under different motivations, a lot of the same basic ideas of the, the civil war story on paper were played out in the film, Age of Ultron, less so. But Ultron is known in the comics as wanting to conquer the world with a bunch of robots. You know, he wants to do that. So the and, idea that he was yeah. trying to do that, you know, and um, also
0: Age of Ultron was much less a successful a story and comic wise than Civil War.
1: Right, right. You, you, yeah, you had the had Age of Ultron comic was not Ultron's best story. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you had you had a more you had more wiggle room. You know, with that secret invasion was a huge story when it came out and they made a lot of really cool, dramatic twists and cliffhangers. And maybe I just idealize it because that was when I was back into getting I was back getting into comics and, you know, whenever they would make the play and I don't know, issue four, whatever secret invasion that maybe Tony Stark has been a scroll for the last few years and they leave you hanging that way for a month. You know, it was just like, you know, because they had done that for real with other characters like Spider-Woman and such. So it it felt believable. And there were just, there were a lot of things with superheroes getting replaced by Skrulls and what that means for the fabric of the Marvel Universe. And none of that existed here.
0: It might have been implied, but they could have maybe done some more to make it seem like maybe all the Avengers have been replaced. Because if they did do that in the show, I really don't remember that. So obviously it didn't do enough to make me think, you know, to get in my head.
1: Yeah. You had six world leaders in random places of power that didn't even get said very much on screen, if at all. So like, it's not the president of the United States. It's not, you know, the prime minister of the UK. It's like, second third fourth tier level government people sure they're high up and they walk the halls of power but they're not anyone you know that feels like a high stakes role roadie honestly felt like the highest stakes role yeah and that's just because we know him as a character not because of really his position
0: no this is because of our attachment to him, roadie
1: yeah and so, like, that's the one superhero replacement that we're like, oh, my gosh, it's Rhodey. And instead of that being the thing the story was, you know, really playing into. I like the Skrulls wanting a homeworld. I like that story. I feel like we can do that story. And, you know, the Marvels plays more with that story. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But this is, I don't know. I don't want to slag off on it anymore. Cause I did enjoy a lot of the story, uh, the, the watching and viewing experience. It's just, as I look back on the story, I'm like, what, what did that accomplish? And why did they do it that way? And I don't, I have, I have unanswered questions. No,
0: I'm with you hundred percent.
1: Like I said, you know, I said very similar things. I
0: think, yeah, it was just for me, it just kind of, it was there and mm-hmm. that's all, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. But it was just there. You know. I'm not going to. It's not going to be like, like. Hawkeye for me is a annual Christmas watch. It's a Christmas show to me. You know it's a holiday show. I'm going to watch Hawkeye each year. At least for a while. No I'm probably not going to rewatch this.
1: Yeah. Unless you're doing some like rewatch project. Which I'm contemplating the ifs i doing.
0: Yeah but otherwise no. It's time to do the feedback again. And this time is feedback for episode 185, Interview with Scott Edelman with Tim Price. And on Facebook, the posts about that episode got likes and shares from Joe Sedano, Tim Price, Magazines and Monsters, Stephen Stair, Mary Lanford Price, Sally Curie, Jason Venable, and Adam Montgomery. On X, formerly known as Twitter, we got likes and... Would it be called retweets anymore? Reposts? I don't know but whatever they're called, from Alan Sharp, Chris Leiden, David Finn, Viet Nguyen, Capes and Lunatics Podcast Network, Tiny Tim Price, the Podcrasher, Lucretia, Brian Z. at Bassballs.bsky, and the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. And speaking of Blue Sky, we got likes and reposts from Tiny Tim Price, the Podcrasher, Scott Edelman, Eugene R. Hendricks, Gregory Vertulis, and Brian Keene. Now, this is our last episode of the year, but if you still want to hear from me one more time before the year ends, go to the Magazines and Monsters feed and look for their Bronze Age of Horror podcast, and you can find me and Billy talking about Werewolf by Night one more time, as we cover Werewolf by Night number 24 and Giant Size Werewolf by Night number 2, featuring the Frankenstein monster. Alright, you have comments you want to make to me, maybe about this episode or previous episodes? Or you just want to hear your name said here because you liked and shared the posts about the episode. Works for me. Send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Go to our Facebook page. Just go into Facebook, type Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box and it'll pop up. On Twitter, at Adam Thanospod, And at bluesky, at Adam Thanospod.bsky.social. This show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances, and you are going to hear a promo for one of the collective shows, well, in a moment. But first, since this is the last episode of the year, just want to wish everyone happy holidays and happy new year. And now, here's that promo.
1: Hey, Ray. Yes, Connor? What's black and white and red all over? Huh. And newspaper? Not even close. Hmm. Uh, sunburnt zebra? What are you doing, Ray? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast.
0: A weekly podcast coming to you from the High Priest of Khonshu, Available on all good podcast catchers. That's our three for this time.
1: Uh, I feel like we had one really strong, Mm -hmm. one pretty good, and one a bit lackluster.
0: Yes. So we have an A, a B, and a C.
1: Yeah, an A, a B, and a C.
0: All right. So, John, before you head off, where can people find you?
1: Well, I think last time I would we did one of these things. I was still putting out episodes of Superman in Crisis, yes. and I'm not anymore. No, I finished not. the show. I finished. I finished the Crisis. Al,
0: are you still here then, or are you re- are you retconned? Oh, you are retconned actually. Completely different well, now two than before.
1: <laughs> yeah, there were two of me, so they had to get rid of one. So they had to retcon my entire backstory. And speaking of Atlantis, that's where I'm from now. Um, No, I have actually set aside the superhero podcasting for a while, and I'm having fun with other comics. So um, if you were an 80s kid or even a 2000s kid and you like the Transformers and or the Ninja Turtles, then you should head over to Ninjas and Bots, where every week uh, my friend Lane, whom I uh, got to know through some Dungeons & Dragons circles and the Married with Comics uh, circle of podcasts, she and I do um, a walk through the IDW comic series for the Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we do alternating coverage every week, and we release them on Saturday mornings like the cartoons when we were kids, and it's just it's just a good time. It's a good time with the properties we really enjoyed as children coming to life in new ways with adult and more mature storytelling. And it's it's pretty great. Yes, it is. I'm enjoying it. Thank you.
0: Yep. And there will be a link in the show notes, people. So you can click on it and listen. And,
1: oh. Uh, um, yes. I should say, because this is December or January. Um, at the end of January, there is a new project being launched on johnreadscomics.com and also bureau 42.com oh, it's right. a joint venture and that is Babylon 5 30 years later um Blaine Dowler and I have been working on this for a while now uh so that we could have the show up and going with no production problems also Blaine really likes his lead time like, Yes. The way some people like cocaine. (laughs) So um, if you have watched or are curious about watching Babylon five, the appeal of this show is I've never seen it except for the first few episodes. But we very quickly move into territory that I've never seen before. And Blaine is more of an expert. So it's what some people call an intro cast. We don't use that term on the show but you have a person who knows the property and a person who doesn't it is very intentionally new viewer friendly um so highly recommended uh i say highly recommended like <laughs> <laughs> i would really appreciate you going and checking it out if you have ever had any interest in the show babylon five um it will be uh premiering at the end of january 2024
0: awesome well, people, in future episodes, there will be since John will be back on, there will be links to that too. Yay! Maybe not this one because this might be out before that. But before we finish up this Marvel, you know, 2023 review, I'm sure we'll have we'll get to that point where there'll be episode out. All right. Well, next time, as long as everything goes right, we will be John and I again, and this time we're just gonna talk about one movie. We're actually gonna review review a movie. And there's a reason this movie gets gets its own status of its own episode, because it will be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 featuring the, the, the uh, cinematic premiere of Adam Warlock.
1: dun 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 Or the cinematic debut of him. Yes. We'll talk more about that, though, then.
0: Yes. But if you saw the movie and you read those comics, you know what we're talking about.
1: Yep. Or heard this podcast. That too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's it for all this time.
1: For now. Bye. Bye.
0: Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast is a fan-made production. And no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. Yes, 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 come in. i open it in a minute anyway. Crazy dog.